Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Bing bong, bing bong, bing bong, bing bong. Welcome, everyone. <laughs> As he cracks open. A monster and... energy drink. No, it's, a, it's as always, a kombucha. Right, <laughs> and I did my traditional bing bongs, which will now be done until perpetuity, forever. And until perpetuity, or like for perpetuity. Is it four or two? It's uh, it's definitely in, up. but it could be it's out, up. <laughs> up and out in perpetuity, <laughs> up and over, up and over and down. Hello, welcome to Suggestible Podcast. We are married. My James, my James is Claire. <laughs> my name is Claire. Yeah, James is Harold. So we are married, and we suggest things to you to read, watch, and listen to. While also, as one reviewer said. Talk about our impending deaths. That's right. And you, the listener, your impending deaths, not just ours. Yeah, not correct. Selfish. Look, James, you're, uh, you're very philosophical today. I'm half vaccinated, Claire. I'm feeling better already. Hey, it's pretty good. Uh, yeah, how are you feeling in general? I'm fine, a little bit tender, but it's, uh, it's fine. It's all good? Yeah. I mean, I know, I'll see how I wake up tomorrow because it depends. Yeah, it does. It depends takes what shot while. you get. depends, you know. How you react and whatever, but no, so far. Excellent. Well, I'm having mine next week. We did them a week apart just in case we had some. One of us dies. Yeah. Oh, Lord. Or both of us dies. (laughs) Well, there you go. I mean, that's Mm. the only sure thing, right? Death and taxes. It's good to. Very good. But it is good to um, (laughs) finally get it done because it's like, I don't know what the vaccination rate here is, but it's, it's one of the worst in the world. Yeah, it's world, pretty low. Yeah, yeah, it's ma- and it's mainly due to our government messaging. Yep. And really the only way to get through this, right, is for us all to get vaccinated. That's right. But what are you suggesting this week Ooh, oh, aside I'm from so... medical science? <laughs> yeah, correct, that I love. Oh, I'm so excited. Okay, so I am suggesting a very old film and then my podcast. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> but I'm going to suggest the film first. Mm-hmm. Can I say film again? <laughs> say film again. All right. It is nine to five. The, yes, and you would be right that there is a song, Working nine to five on a way to make a living mm-hmm. by Dolly Parton, mm-hmm. which is excellent. And the movie is actually like the thing that happened first, which and it's produced by Jane Fonda, which is really interesting. It came out in 1980. Right. And what I loved about it was I deep dived for my interview on Taunts with uh, Maria Angelico, who's an incredible actor in Australia, and she said this is her favourite movie by far. And I watched it and now it's my favourite movie too. It is so funny. It is so weird yeah. and it goes really into like a really trippy space that I just did not expect. It takes this like massive turn and it's just super, it's a bit dark as well in spots, but it's so comedic. And the chemistry between Dolly Parton, Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda is just amazing. And it was so groundbreaking for its time. So basically the premise is three working women live out their fantasies of getting even with and overthrowing the company's autocratic 
as they call him, sexist, egotistical, egotistical, lying, hypocritical, bigot boss, played Whoa. by Dabney Coleman. Yeah, and so Dabney Coleman. Yes, he would, apparently he's actually a really nice guy, but in this he plays like a really horrible boss. Now he is always cracking onto Dolly Parton, and I played oh, this guy, for you. Yeah. yeah, I played for you a little portion of the movie where Dolly Parton says this really iconic line about, I'm going to turn you from a rooster to a hen in one shot. It's all about him like sexually harassing her in the workplace. It's so great. Lily Tomlin's character is this like really kick-ass, amazing woman. Dog, relax. Calm down, dog. Dog, we're talking about feminist movies from the 80s. (laughs) He stood up and he's told her to be quiet and she still won't be quiet. Is there a possum? There's usually a possum. Something out there. Or a man with a gun. Or a woman. Yeah. Or a woman. Women can have guns too, <laughs> apparently. Right. Anyway, Lily Tomlin's character is like really good at her job, but men keep getting promoted above her. And she actually trained the boss character. And he's like, he looks at her over for a promotion. And it's just really interesting. They kind of fall into this friendship. Jane Fonda is like the new woman at the workplace who's like learning the ropes of everything and initially they all think that Dolly Parton's character is sleeping with the boss because he put that rumour out there and it turns out it's wrong and what is so great about it is that the themes are really groundbreaking as well for that time so as soon as Dolly Parton says, no, I'm not sleeping with him, he made it all up, the mm. women believe her. And even in that in itself, the friendship there is amazing. There's a lot of great scenes of them like multitasking, like sorting out something with her kids while also on the other hand typing a letter while also faxing something and Lily yeah. Tomlin's like super wisecracking and great. Lily Tomlin's 81. Yeah, she's up. bloody awesome. I mean, I she, her Grace and Frankie is one of my other yeah, favourite well, shows. Yeah, well, I never made the connection, but yeah, that's the, Yeah, and this is where they the met. So Jane Fonda is such an amazing activist and yeah. she's done so many cool things, one of which was this movie. She was she was the complete brains behind it. She just imagined that Dolly Parton, because this is right at the start of her career when it was just taking off, mm. and Lily Tomlin she saw do a stand-up comedy bit and was like, I can see this working as a movie where they're secretaries and it's going to be awesome. And it took like a year to convince them both to do it. Right. So Jane Fonda's 83. Yeah, she looks bloody Holy amazing. Shit. They're such incredible women and she's like a fierce climate activist. I yeah. mean, Jane Fonda as well, really interestingly, her workout video, which is still one of the highest grossing workout videos of all time. No surprise. She says in an interview that she feels really embarrassed by a lot of it. She says it's semi-pornographic <laughs> <laughs> but that it actually really works Yeah, and that she donated all the proceeds to charity. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. So oh, she's cool. done a lot of charity work and she's just badass. Like she keeps getting arrested. Yeah. She's so awesome. Well, she was she was one of, one of the first, but anti Vietnam activists. Mm, yeah, you know, yeah. I know she got, she got a lot of flack for that. Turns out she was right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, she's super smart mm. and really obviously talented as well. So I just love that because they've then had now had like a thirty seven year friendship that yeah. started on this film, mm. and I just love it. So it's so worth watching. You can get it on Disney Plus if you haven't seen it. I hadn't seen it. It's on Disney Plus. I know. Yeah. It was on Netflix. Yeah, it's on Disney Plus. Either way. It's good. Either way. And it's worth it even just for that Dolly Parton scene. It's so good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And also at the end of the oh, actually I won't spoil it. But there's I just, do want to watch it. I like the feel of like a lot of these eighties, they got this gritty kind of like it's like New York probably, is it? No. I don't I don't know where it's set. I don't know, whatever. Yeah, but it's I, lo- not I love New York, that, though, I love that aesthetic like of like 
like the off, like not the office, but like the, an, an 80s kind of bustling city and workplace. Do you know what I mean? You know, like a Ghostbusters or that kind of yeah, like. Yeah, totally. That, that vibe, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. really cool. And it's just so weird, which mm. is what I love about it. And it was so groundbreaking and for the, the time. the second highest grossing movie of that year or something like that. Was that yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Second highest grossing film of 1980. Yeah, behind Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy, right? It's weird that they didn't make a bunch of stuff like this. Well, maybe they did. But, well, you know. I mean, it was just so unusual for this yeah. to get off the ground. Or even um, a sequel or something. I know. Yeah. It's weird, yeah. isn't it? It started off as a drama written by Patricia Resnick mm. as a screenplay and then Jane Fonda, to get Lily Tomlin on board and Dolly Parton, she kind of realised it needed to be a comedy. And so yeah. then Colin Higgins came on board and he kind of rewrote it as a comedy, um, okay. which I thought was really interesting or directed by Colin Higgins. Yeah, that I think that is all really interesting. And then Dolly Parton said the only way she would do it is if she could also write the theme song, which was so clever. Uh, yeah. And the sound, like the in the start of the song is actually Dolly Parton's acrylic nails. She felt like it sounded like typewriting and she was writing it while she was on set. And then she got all of the women in the cast to sing on the record, ah, which was also really cool. She was like this sort of secret underground feminist. It's just amazing. She's Dolly Parton's amazing, man. Oh, my God. She's yeah. so amazing. I mean, all three of these women are powerhouses even still. Yeah. So smart, so clever, so talented. I started watching, I fell down a rabbit hole of watching Lily Tomlin's comedy. Yeah, right. Bloody hell, it's good. Mm, yeah. God, she's so funny. Like she's in her 80s and she's fucking hilarious. Yeah. Anyway. That's it. That's my recommendation. Mm. Terrific. I'll like. I will watch this because I do want to watch this, and I will watch it. And I'm gonna watch it. You're really. I. I actually really think you. No, because really what I saw because I saw bits of it when you watched it, and I was like, oh shit. Okay, I gotta watch this. I just. It's, I don't want to come in at this point. Yeah. No. You need. You. You know why I think you'll like it because it's weird. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> and it gets weirder. But <laughs> like, so would you say people should watch it and then listen to your podcast episode yes, about it? Yes, I do. Because then Maria, I talk to Maria about a lot of things. She's. She has this incredible story about her mum, who was an '80s feminist and kind of a very Dolly Parton-esque kind of character. And then she talks about how she landed this starring role in what is ostensibly Australian TV royalty. So Imogen Banks. Um, Maria did. Okay, right. So yeah. Imogen Banks is this amazing TV producer who produced some of our like most famous female-led TV shows mm. like Offspring. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Puberty Blues, Paper Giants. Okay. And so, yeah, I won't spoil it, but there's this incredible story about how she got this lead role in this TV show and yeah, she right. went from – not having done very much at all to leading, Being like starring in the show that's now available on Netflix. Ah, what's the show? Sisters. I don't know about this It was show. really cool. And they're also Stateless. I don't know if you saw I'd that on the ABC. Yeah. yeah, she's in that too. Oh, wow. So. Okay. Excellent. Okay. Terrific. Cool. All right. What's yours? Speaking of quality TV, this ah. show is called Kevin Can Go Fuck Himself, <laughs> right? Uh, it was created by Valerie Armstrong. It stars Annie Murphy, Eric Peterson, and Mary Hollis uh, in Baden. You might know the lead. She is from Shit's Creek. She's the sister. Ah, uh, yes. The daughter. Yes, yes, whatever you want. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And so in that, she's kind of this ditzy, flighty, kind of Paris Hilton esque kind of character. But the idea of this is it's like a spin on like, you know, like King of Queens and Everybody Loves Raymond, like those kind of sitcoms, you know what I mean? So it's like the husband's a buffoon and he's always like drinking and joking and and watching sport and and wrecking stuff and the wife's coming in and she's like, oh, don't ruin everything, Kevin. And he's like, I've already cut the coffee table enough with a chainsaw or whatever. You know what I mean? Like stuff like that and it's all laugh tracks and 
and gags and all that. But then as soon as she leaves the room, she's then like, it switches from the sitcom format to this single camera, like grim, like kind of like, it, it looks, it looks more like a breaking bad kind of show. And then she's kind of left with the consequences of this guy that she lives with. So it's constantly switching between these two styles throughout the entire thing. So he lives this like carefree life of whatever. And she's like, like there's all these, there, there is hints of like physical, but there's also very, very obvious like mental abuse that it's taken, that's taken its toll on this woman, like over the, like the 10 years of that, that she's, you know, that they've been married because, you know, she's dealing with the real world and like money problems and there's like drug addiction and all of these things that he doesn't see, he doesn't see or like acknowledge do you know what I mean? But again, like she goes back in the room and then it's like, Kevin's up to another scheme. He's having a war with the neighbors or whatever, whatever. Do you know what I mean? It's like, wow. it's it's stuff like that. Anyway, so she decides to kill him. And that's the, <laughs> the premise of the, uh, of, of the first season. So basically in a nutshell, it's King of Queens slash Breaking Bad. And it's great. It's really good. And look, none of the characters are perfect because she's planning to murder this guy. You know what I mean? And then you see people who... Kind of, she's got a. Well, she's not really a friend, but she becomes a friend who can move between both worlds kind of effortlessly, and she does it because it's just easier. Do you know what I mean? If she's like, I'm one of the boys or whatever, and then do you know mm. what I mean? So it's, it's just it just makes her life, you know, easier to, yeah. in a way. But until they kind of they form this kind of connection, and it becomes looking like finding a way that's you know to to murder him and essentially get away with it. Like that's that's the idea. But yeah, it's 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 funny, like in two ways. Like if you like a sitcom, like. King of Queen, you know, something yeah, like that. Yeah. Then, yeah, you get that, but then you get something like much that's much deeper. more darkly funny and and deeper. But it's also like they obviously overlap into each other, you know what I mean? Yeah. And there's, there is, there's moments where it's characters like are kind of dragged from one to the other and you see like there's a, there's a real difference in them because there's even a difference in her when she's with him, do you know what I mean, when in the room and they kind of like ignore her jokes and like what are you even talking about or whatever and she kind of just goes along with it and then, you know, he leaves and she's just like, fucking hell. Yeah. Like yeah. it's, yeah, it's it's so good. Uh, so all 13 are out right now of the first season and you can, so you can purchase them in a, in a number of places. I think it's on Apple and a number of other things if if you if you do want to. But, yeah, Kevin can go fuck himself or Kevin, yeah, oh, Kevin can fuck himself. And who wrote it? Uh, it's created by Valerie Armstrong because she wrote it because she was in a writer's room where she wasn't getting a whole lot of, lot of stories through so she kind of wrote it out of frustration and I've always like those sitcoms I've never really particularly (laughs) enjoyed I'm more like you know out of adolescence at least you know what I mean like your home improvements and that kind of stuff it's like you know what I mean it's just not not that there can't be depth in shows like that because they because they can but uh yeah it's just interesting to highlight like the kind of stereotype that it that it pushes do you know what I mean because there's Mm -hmm. guys like that that exist or even like lazily kind of fall into those patterns because it's mm-hmm. easy and, and I'm look I'm I'm sure I'm, <laughs> I'm guilty of that also but um yeah it's great right it that sounds amazing yeah, it's, it's really good. so interesting to me that idea of a woman in a writer's room because mm. Jess Perkins when I talked to her on Tom's again and here I am oh talking about God, my podcast each get over it. you got a podcast you got two one of this one <laughs> yeah anyway I was talking to her about how many women actually are riding on teams, right? Yeah. And usually it's like one for every 10. 
is kind of the average, right, of like women versus men in writers' rooms. Yeah. And that's um, the Gina Davis Institute has done some really interesting research on this. And obviously it's dependent on the show and all of that stuff. But overall, and this is in Western kind of TV, that seems to be the case. And Jess said this thing. She was like, what is it like to be that woman on the team? Yeah. Like the one in the room of ten. So and that to me is really interesting about Valerie. I've had this episode. What did you say? I'm trying, to, I'm trying to remember. Oh, she was just saying like how frustrating. I hadn't thought about it before like that. And she's like, well, how frustrating would it be to be that woman who has to keep putting up your hand? Because the statistic is once you have at least one woman on the team, immediately the female characters in the show have more lines, have more to yeah. say, have more screen time. It just and the diversity kind of you know grows in a show. Yeah, and because those sitcoms traditionally have that idea of the woman who like is kind of like, oh, stop it, Tim. Yeah. And you she'll know? have an idea, and she's like, and they're like, that's the stupidest idea I've ever heard. And then he's like, wait a minute, what if we did? And he'll say like the same idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. And I think there's you know people get their ideas stolen like all, all the, the time, time. or totally. their eyes, their ideas ignored, and then. Somebody else suddenly out. comes up with this idea. idea. Yeah, said. totally. And anyway, Jess was just saying from that perspective, it must be really frustrating and also exhausting mm. to constantly be that person in the room. Yeah. Who's having, rather than just getting on with the, the writing of it. Jess is amazing. I was like, oh, one of the funniest people I know. Yeah, so, yeah. she's so bloody it's Ridiculous. Funny. Why wouldn't you listen to Jess Perkins? She's delightful. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So, no, I think that sounds great. I really mm. want to watch that. Is well, it? I bought it, so you, you can. Excellent. I certainly will. All right. My turn again? Yes. Yes, it's my turn. We're being so nice to each other tonight. It's good. Very... It's politeness is <laughs> underrated. It's good for you, probably. It totally is. So I have a fun recommendation and I have a darker recommendation. What should Ooh. I go with? What do you feel like tonight? Let's end on a downer. So let's go fun first. <laughs> All right. Okay. Oh, no, because the other one I'll save for next week. So you'd prefer a – oh, because you've got a downer. Oh, no, I don't have a downer actually. i got a, I got a nice one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll do a downer then. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. So this is a show called Innocent. It's on the ABC here but it's a BBC show and it's a British anthology TV series produced by TXTV Productions. And so the first series stars Lee Ingley as David Collins and I haven't seen that series. So I can't recommend that one because I haven't watched it. I've only watched the second series. Why did you skip it? Because I didn't know it existed because this show just came up on iview and your mum actually recommended it to me because she knows how much I love a murder mystery. So it's not a continuation or it's a new cast? No, they're an anthology. No, so it's like um, it's a complete story within itself. Yeah, yeah, got it. And so I didn't realise it was the second season until I went to research it. Yeah. So I haven't seen the first one, but I am going to watch, go back and watch that now. The second one, the story is it's about a boy called Matthew who's 16 and he's brutally murdered in the quiet Lake District. Five years later, the accused is found not guilty and released from prison. It's like Broadchurch. Yeah. Now, it opens with um, his teacher who is accused of his murder and who is acquitted. So it opens with her trial and the trial where she is after five years, found not guilty and released. Mm. And then it kind of, she goes back to her hometown in the Lake Lake District and she was his high school teacher. Her husband left her when she went into jail and has since, or has got a fiancé and is about to remarry. And so she's kind of dealing with the fallout of losing everything in her life. Um, And her mother, when she gets out, so has dementia. So while she was in prison, she was writing letters to her and it turns out um, someone in the home was writing letters back that it wasn't her mother oh. and she didn't know that. So Why? 
Um, Well, because her mother, they thought her mother would die before she would be able to see her mother again because she had a really long sentence because she was convicted of murder. Okay, gotcha. So basically the premise is that this poor woman's life has just completely fallen apart and because she was proven without doubt to not have done it, there was like evidence that came to light later to show she hadn't done it, it now is kind of up to the police to figure out who actually did kill this boy. Yeah, right. And so... It's just, it's really gripping. It's only sounds four great. parts. It sounds really interesting, yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting because you go back, they go back through the history and the layers of all the people that were there at the time. Yeah. And he was this kind of really charismatic kid who a lot of people, a lot of girls at the school had crushes on. He was a lead in the show. And she, you're talking about me you're talking about the show? Yeah, <laughs> talking about you specifically. Thank you. Especially me. I have a crush on you. Wow. I thought I would wait until now to tell you. I'm not interested. <laughs> so I'm married. Oh, fair enough. Oh, well, at least I've shared my heart with some <laughs> people I don't know on the I'm internet. just texting all my friends how embarrassing <laughs> you are to, to have done that. No, sorry, go on. I am. Um, anyway, so, yeah, the police, it is it is really interesting because one of the reasons that she they thought she did it was because a girl in this boy's class said that she saw her making out with him. Oh. So the layer of it is that not only is it that she was accused of his murder but that she was accused of having an affair with a 16-year-old yes. boy. And so the whole town sees her as this kind of like pedophile, I guess, yeah, right, really, yeah. which wasn't true either. And so but they were hanging out a bit because she was helping him because he was troubled at home. Mm. And so, anyway, as the story kind of unfolds, it takes a lot of twists and turns and ends up somewhere quite unexpected. So it's Australian? No, it's British. Oh, you did say that, but it's yeah, on it's British. Sorry. Correct? Yeah, yeah exactly. So it stars Catherine Kelly, Andrew Tiernan, Priyanja Burford and Jamie Bamber. And um, it aired in 2021, so it's just like quite Sick. fresh I'm, That press. sounds great. I'm going to check that out. I'm going to even watch that tonight because I need something to watch tonight. It's good. Yeah. It's interesting. Or I can watch Suicide Squad 2016. Or again. 9 to 5. I could watch 9 to 5. You totally could. Yeah, but actually I think I'll watch that. Yeah, it's quite – it's good. I just watched Broadchurch, so I, I finally finished Broadchurch, so I'm like I feel like, yeah. Oh, yeah, this is a good – it's not – yeah, it's in a similar vein yeah. to Broadchurch. It's got that similar vibe to it. And because it's only four parts, it's mm. – yeah, it's good. And, yeah, it's got all the characters in the town and you kind of get to know all of them in different ways. Yeah, it's good. Cool. All right. Cool. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. All right, so I watched a documentary from 2019. It's on Apple TV Plus television uh, channel. <laughs> Why did you say it like ah, that? I don't know what it's <laughs> called. But it's also the directorial debut of Bryce Dallas Howard, who people might know uh, more commonly for acting. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was in a, a one episode of Black Mirror. She heads up the Jurassic World franchise, running around in heels. Ah, yes, yes. She's in the best Spider-Man film, Spider-Man 3. Uh, not the best, but, you know, she's she's good in it. Is she also in an episode of, like, you said that, of Black Mirror? Yes. You did say that It's already. about where everybody's <laughs> ranking each other on a phone. Yeah, yeah, I always remember that because I feel like that's so very similar to the Uber ratings. Yes, that was the idea. You got the subtext. Well done. So- <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> 
I am nothing if not it very what clever. If, what of society, what of technology too far? Yeah. He stopped making it. What's his name? Charlie Brooker was like, everything's too sad. I'm going to stop making Black yeah, Mirror. Yeah, because it's been, we actually yeah. feel like we're living in there's a Black these, Mirror. Yeah, there's Black know. Mirror knockoffs and I don't care for it. But um, anyway, she's also, she's doing more directing now because she is the daughter of Ron Howard, famous director who swore, he started as an actor in Unhappy Days and he's directed like Apollo 13 and Willow and a bunch of stuff. He's a good director. Anyway, uh, now she's doing The Mandalorian. She's directing The Mandalorian stuff. Anyway, so this documentary is about dads around the world. So it's like stay-at-home dads, single dads, immunocompromised dads, same-sex parents, uh, dads with sick kids, and it kind of jumps from story to story about dads that not always but uh, more often than not in kind of uncommon or what wouldn't be seen as traditional roles. Do you know what I mean? In um, yeah. uh, in family roles. And it kind of explores that. And the whole thing is, is intercut with celebrities, famous people, uh, telling kind of their stories just to camera about what it's like to be a dad and, and their experiences uh, of it. So it's got like Judd Apatow, Jimmy Fallon, Kenan Thompson, Conan O'Brien, Will Smith. So it's, it's really interesting how it kind of um, – I think both sections work and it's kind of balanced really well because it's like, yeah, celebrities are funny and whatever and they'll do a little joke and whatever, but then it cuts to like a real thing of like there's a guy in Japan who got sick so he decided to stay home and look after his kids and then he got better and then he was like, I'm just going to do this, which is really uncommon. Like, uh, yeah, it's just especially not really in thing. Japan yeah. they've got really traditional roles. Women mm. basically do the – bulk of all of the child raising yeah there. but he's like i love it and um and i will and i will never go back and this is something i find really fulfilling and he's like now i'm much more sillier and all these kinds of things and Aww. it's just yeah it's interesting because it looks at you know it, it's, it's not doesn't take aim at like traditional stuff by any stretch but it just shows that like you can have you know more involvement if if you want to do you know what i mean which is yeah which is also depending on your circumstances there's a lot of people they do visit it's like i'm so tired and you know <laughs> you know, in a yeah, situation really and, hard, yeah. and whatever. So that's that's definitely uh, a part of it. Uh, there's a few really great uh, quotes uh, from it, which I'll, I'll, I'll just mention a couple of my favourites. Uh, Jimmy Kimmel on the birth of um, on his wife giving birth. I think I said this to you, where it's like she she's Batman and and you're not even Robin. You're one of the tires on the Batmobile. <laughs> That's quite funny because you do, you just feel helpless just standing there like everybody in the room has a role like except you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You just kind of stand there and you hold your hand and you like say good job and whatever. But it's like, yeah, that's, that's, you know, that's all you can kind of do. And you, you you kind of feel like a moron being there, but, um, (laughs) but you, you, but also you want to be there at least, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't feel like you were a tire on the Batmobile. I, no, well, you were doing your own thing, so I don't think I was the concern. But we've talked about this story <laughs> before. It's really funny. A friend of mine who's a teacher, um, a woman that he works with, was telling the story about how when she was uh, when she was in the middle of labour, I might have I told this on here, but who cares, uh, the nurse handed <laughs> him like a, a, a cloth, like a, a damp cloth to kind of, you know, to, to mop her brow. <laughs> And he goes, oh, thank you. And he wipes his own face. <laughs> and she's like, never, like, like let yeah. him forget it. <laughs> Which is so funny. But also I can see, like, in the moment it's so stressful, stressful, you know what I mean? And, like, I yeah. can see how you would, you just, you'll kind of lose track of, because I remember yeah. the last kid that, that we had or you had was a cesarean, if you're comfortable with me saying yeah, this. Yeah, it's fine, yeah. And, I, and I'm coming into the room and they're like, okay, she's around this way. And there's just this, like, 
It looked like a circus tent in the middle of the room and there's just tarps everywhere and there's <laughs> nurses and doctors. And I didn't even know where the fuck you were, like among it. <laughs> like they're leading me around and I'm like, I don't even know where I'm going. And it's like one room <laughs> and they're like guiding me by the elbow and just like, and I'm like, what? What's happening? Kind of thing. I just remember because I was lying down. Yeah, all I could see is like blue sheets and uh, the doctors are all talking to me. And then I just see your head pop up in a shower cap. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> just like, hi. Hi, it's me, I'm here. <laughs> and you had that look on your face where where you always do when things are really terrible but you're trying to be really upbeat. And you were like, yeah. hey, hey, how are you doing? And I looked yeah. at you. But, but what I wanted to say about the whole Batmobile <laughs> tyre thing was that it's interesting that you feel like that because there is no like the idea when the pandemic hit, the idea that you couldn't be there. Yeah. Oh no, I'm gonna cry. Made me terrified mm. because you are the person that keeps me calm and makes me feel centered and grounded and safe. Even when I'm like, hey, <laughs> yeah, I'm even here too. Look at your little dumb face. <laughs> Not dumb, just beautiful. Yeah. I just I'm gonna cry because it those moments, you're I'm at my most vulnerable, and mm. they're really can be frightening. I know women have really positive experiences too, but for me, they were both times were frightening in different yeah. ways. And you being there was the only face I wanted to see, mm. other than the professionals. Yes, of course. <laughs> but like genuinely, it yeah, meant oh, it you. meant the world to me that you were there. Well, yeah, because you got someone who's you know can go into bat for you. I guess you know. Oh, but yeah. also, but. You can't underestimate. I was speaking to a midwife recently who said one of the major things for women when they're giving birth is that they feel safe. Yeah. And you make me feel safe. Oh, cool. And I um, (laughs) – But anyway, so, yeah, so even though you might feel like you're – what is that saying? Useless as tits on a ball or something. I know for so many of my friends and for me anyway, you there as my person – just and holding my hand, even though at the time it might seem like I'm not even noticing because I'm just in excruciating <laughs> pain, was the thing that kept me going. Like a magician <laughs> show. <laughs> yeah, totally. That's what happened the second yeah. time. Jesus, I'm tough. <laughs> I know. That's amazing. Like I don't know how you did it twice in two different and equally terrifying scenarios. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. I just remember being on my phone out the front and then they're like, because I saw the room and it was like an empty room and I'm like, and then they're like, just sit here. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, cool. And I'm, so I'm just on my phone as they're like tying you down to the bed or whatever they do. <laughs> yeah. And then coming in and just like, oh, shit, this is the room. I didn't even re- – this just looked like an empty room. I didn't realise that this was the room. I just didn't expect it. This is where it. it's happening. Yeah. This is where my wife's being sawn in half. Yeah. Yeah, wow. God. Mm. Yeah, well, that documentary sounds amazing. I just – we had a great chat after you Yeah, it's it, cool. Actually. I really liked it, yeah. Well, I think it was – yeah, because um, – I think I said to you, like, yeah, I like having kids because I don't think I reflect on it enough. I'm just like, oh, I'm so tired. Or, but I love having kids. It's like it's great, you know. Yeah. It's really cool. What I mean, it's a pain in the ass and you're always <laughs> exhausted. But it's good. Uh, one other quote that I just want to mention, this is from Will Smith. He says, uh, when we left, like, the hospital – sorry, when we left for the hospital, it was just the two of us. And when we got back, now, now there's this dude and he lives here <laughs> like, forever, <laughs> which is true. It's just like another person. It's just like – here you go. Yeah. This is for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. It's so crazy, isn't crazy. it? Crazy. Yeah. I love that thing that you said about how there's a dad watching a little, they're like, he's like, look at this. 
And they had like he unwrapped his little boy and they, the baby just <laughs> yeah. does that big stretch up and their tummy goes, ooh, ooh, yeah. ooh, and it's just like. When you've this, got them all cocooned up and then yeah, you unwrap they them, they go. Like, yeah, oh, and like it's a little so cat. beautiful. Yeah. What do you? What is so great about being a dad? For you? I don't know. It's um, it's fun. It's like it's like reward. I mean, it is exhausting and all of those things. And also, I don't. I'm also the person to be like, if you don't want to have kids, you shouldn't have kids. Like, yeah, you totally. Have to. That's fine. Like, yeah. But for me, like, it's just you know, it's just I've it's just something. I don't know how to explain it. It's rewarding and it's fun. It's amazing, like seeing them grow and seeing them happy. And all those things that it's and it's heartbreaking, you know what I mean, when they're when they're going through their little problems or whatever, because you can't solve it like every little thing, even though you technically could, but also it's like you shouldn't because that's bad for them at the same time, you know what I mean? Like if a kid's mean to them, you could you could easily just run in and like just pump that kid across the playground if you wanted to. <laughs> but you shouldn't. For uh, lots because, of reasons, one yeah, of which is yeah. the police, but yeah. Yeah, do you know what I mean? So it's like yeah, but yeah. it's um, it's just amazing seeing them like have like little personalities and stuff, and so much of that is from so young. You know what I mean? You see so much of them, and maybe I'm reading into it, but it seems like you see that stuff like carry over as they begin to talk, and but their personality, like a lot of time, it's already it's already there, yeah. like their temperament at the, at the very least. You know? Yeah. yeah totally. What about you? Yeah, I love it. I think. It's like unwrapping a present mm. as they get older. So far, we haven't hit the teenage years yet. No, Maybe that'll exactly. be like a, a present we want to return. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think the age that our kids are at the moment is both beautiful ages yeah. too. That's the other part of it. I think like five is cool. Yeah, Five is, is a cool age to be and a cool age to be in the world and to be around. And one is also the same, I think. Mm. But, I, yeah, I just I feel... The, more, the further we get into it, the more privileged I feel, the more I'm enjoying it, Yeah, I think. And I think for a lot of reasons it was really difficult for us at the very start. Mm. But in a way, as with most things in life, because it was so difficult, it also has become the most rewarding thing. Yeah, definitely. And the, the like thing. Seeing them read and stuff. It's oh. like, what, now daughter's like starting to talk? I know. It's so weird. It's, isn't it? it? That's what I love. I love the privilege of getting to see this little person start to become who they'll be, mm. you know, and the questions and the the funny, silly stuff. Yeah. And the, the things that surprise you they come out with that just make me laugh so much mm. and, you know, like – my son and I have been really getting into the Olympics yeah, yeah, yeah. and just like sitting with a little buddy watching <laughs> the Olympics and his questions about it. You see the world in a whole new way. Mm. And yeah, you're right. When you're so tired and you're dealing with everything day to day, it can get you can get really yeah. bogged down in it all. It's also different for us because we're both at home yeah, a lot exactly. of the time. So yeah, and that's something a lot I of think... the joy I can get from that is because I'm <laughs> I'm not going to work from nine to five and then coming home. You know? Totally. And so, I think that's. I think I'd be a completely different person, you know. Yeah. And and I think that's part of the joy for Hopefully me. It can't be done because obviously. No, it, it can, can in uh, all different ways. In all different kids can come into the world in all different types of families and in different structures. But for me, that's the other part of it that I've loved is like mm. getting to hang with you and see you be a dad and just. You just are growing with this little person. Yeah. Because it's like every. Every year that they grow, you've never had a five-year-old and then you've never had a six-year-old. And then, so you're also 
and they're different. Like they're both different because we're not just because we've got a boy and a girl, but that no, plays, yeah, but they just are factor, such but they're just different so people. Different. Yeah. So it's like when like you learn, you know, the same way that they do, and you're like, oh shit, I fucked that up. You know I mean? Yeah, like, exactly. I had a really interesting chat today with the psychologist Carly. Um, ah, coming. Yeah, coming back. Sister. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Darren McGoran is his name. I yes, believe. correct. No, yeah. yeah, Carly McGoran. Anyway. And she was saying this that um Ronald McGoran. Ronald annoying <laughs> Marty McGoran. Anyway, and Carly, oh my god, she had so much wisdom to share. I just wanted to bottle her and then give her to every person that I know. Because yeah. like everything she said was just so wise and so great for little people but big people and all of the stuff. But she said one of the things that will sustain you through the teenage years and all of the difficulties and raising kids is that you're building a relationship. And you're opening the, – the best thing you can do for your kids is keep open communication and start it when they're really little. Yeah. So you, that means talking about how you're imperfect and when you're upset and why and when you've made the mistake going in there and talking about why you've made it and mm. talking through why you did the thing and why you wish you'd done better but that you're you're just – keeping the door of communication and having all these really imperfect conversations about bodies and sex and mm. why, you know, we do the things we do and the, you know, scary things about life and, I don't know, a question about robbers or yeah. whatever it is, that villains or like, the you know, death or whatever it full-on things your kids bring up to you. You just want to keep having that open communication of like thousands of imperfect little conversations. Yeah, that absolutely. build that relationship and rather than thinking that you have to have like one big scary conversation about big scary things. And then you're like, it's done. Yeah, and it's done and I never do it again. It's more like thousands of imperfect. And she said every time you get it wrong, you have another day to talk about it and get it right again. Yeah, exactly. And no one yeah. gets it right and no one's done this before but the worst thing you can do is to not have that communication. And I just thought that was so great. Such great advice. She said, no parent is perfect. No one's done this before and knows exactly what they're doing. Yeah, so you just have to, you know, take the pressure off yourself. Yeah, exactly. In that way and just be imperfect Yep. but consistently open to talking. Don't scrub too much because you'll, <laughs> you'll ruin them for life. Oh, God. But, you know, I just I felt like that's how you, your kids want to – Want you to be bound, like set boundaries and be firm and be their protector mm. and be, you know, fight for them and fight for who they can be and all of that stuff. And that often means not being their friend, right? Yeah. It's but that relationship you have with them. And I think that's the same with teaching, right? Yeah. Don't you think that you're not you're there, you can't be their friend? It's just doesn't no, work that way. But it's but being there, but just because you can't be their friend doesn't mean you don't have a strong relationship. Yes, with that's it. Yeah, it doesn't mean you're cold and like. No, standoffish. No, and I often found, don't you think, in behavior management with kids, the kids that you could get to were the ones that you had built a relationship with. Totally, you understood them. You know what they needed. You know they knew that you might not want them. You know you might not agree with everything they're doing, and you might disapprove of their behavior. But you know they knew that you cared about them. Yeah, and that you knew about you know what was best for them. You took an interest in them. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Don't you think? I just think anyway. I don't know how we got into that, but I thought that was really valuable advice for parenting. (laughs) Totally. And here's some valuable advice on how to um, review the show. It's it's in our. Nice segue there, James. You just open up. I was just waiting. I'm like, I'll just wait. 
Yeah, you should like, will she stop bloody bang no, on like, about waiting for bloody a moment. parenting? Like I needed to say something I can segue <laughs> with. So look, you can open it. It's in app. It helps out the show massively. And maybe I'll read it out here. Just like Franny Pack 12 from Linden in Utah. Quite the plethora. Say it again. A plethora of a pod. After listening to the Quiet Place episode of the much more successful podcast, The Weekly Planet, I was pleasantly surprised to find there was even more to be found of the fantastic conversational quality content that encompasses, that encompasses Jamestown, uh, VA, and Claire, Clarinet? Clarinet. And it comes in the form of suggestible podcast. James Claire and Meso who is silent but with a respectful attitude, truly encompasses the overall energy of the show, makes a wonderful uh, team with insights into media and worldly topics of all types, leads to the production of an astounding podcast. After first listening to the latest episode of The Pod, I am proud to say that I'm over 10 episodes deep of listening and all within the span of a week. Needless to say, the show makes for a wonderful listening experience whilst on any day uh, commute, rain or shine, uh, in conclusion, all you have to do is, uh, all I have left to say is concerning this, this podcast. <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> is that, it's very long, yeah, is that it, it's very bad. And by that, I mean uh, comparing it to Michael Jackson's hit 1987 song, Bad. So as to say, it's very good. But that's neither here nor there. Enough said. Much love from uh, Lyndon, Utah. So Lyndon? No, no, no. What's from Lyndon, review? Utah. Uh, ah. Unless it is from Lyndon in Utah. I don't know. I'll look it up. Anyway. Anyway, mate, what a brilliant review. I agree. That was excellent. I really appreciated and you it. you can do that in Atlanta. There's a five-star review just straight up. Oh. So Linden is a city in Utah. Oh, right. Uh, but See, their name is Franny Utah. Pack 12. That's right. Ah, uh, who was in it? Franny Pack 12. Franny Pack. What a ledge. Yeah, I you're agree. A, you're a, you are a little. Review the show. You are, yeah. What I'll a read it out. Here we go. And if you would like to suggest something for Suggestible to have your voice on the show, you can record a voicemail and email it to us, or you can just write us a traditional old email a lettery route. You can. You can write us at suggestiblepod at gmail.com. We always love to hear from you. And this week we have one from Fernando Gomez. He says, Woo. why are you two so awesome? Oh, we'd have to do a whole other podcast to talk about that. Anyway. This is from Fernando. Hey there, Claire and James. Hey. Fernando here. And after beginning my binge on Suggestible, I've quickly become a fan. I'm suggesting a theme. I'm hearing a theme. People are binging our show. I'm loving it. I'm loving it, Fernando. I'm loving it. What's that? McDonald's. And Justin Timberlake. <laughs> oh, yeah. Is it? JT? Yeah, it was his song. And then I think McDonald's I'm used it. it. Yeah. Oh, it's a bad song. It's not a good song. Yeah, all right, cool. Excellent. Anyway. He's talented. All right. I started from the beginning and making my way up, and I'm loving every second of James losing his mind while Claire laughs her head off. Oh, good. You've given so many great suggestibles, I thought I'd repay the favour. There's a zombie apocalypse, no, just a zombie musical called Anna and the Apocalypse that I love. Oh, I know this. I haven't watched it yet. Yeah. I'm surprised you haven't. Two of your favourite things, musicals and zombies. I don't know if I can don't do those two things together, though. Let's see. Let's see. So I, I think going. you two might get a kick out of it as well. It's basically about a group of friends trying to reach their loved ones during a zombie outbreak. And it's funny, charming as heck, and the songs are darn catchy, and it's set during Christmas. Oh. Oh, keep up the amazing work. Thanks, Fernando. Oh, well, and thank you for the recommendation, Fernando. Excellent. Yeah, so email us at uh, suggestiblepod at gmail.com. Ah, and that's it for this week. That is it. And Here I'm very are. happy to say that we've finished the show. It's done. Yes. You did it. You made it. You've you've won it. You've won. Here's the winning thing that you've won. What did I win? This phone. Your phone? Yes. Now I'll take it. No, you've Give actually won. No, it's mine. Give me the phone. That was a joke. I'm not joking. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. Give me it. <laughs> no, what you've actually won is my heart. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> so I hadn't won it up until this point? 
No, but I, I told you I changed my mind. Sorry, I told I'm you just, I had a crush on this episode. I'm, I'm just looking. Um, there's a – spoilers for the – Collins will put a link in for the, the, the show, but the movie Blood Red Sky, if you remember this, you might have seen it on Netflix. No. Um, it's like Die Hard on a Plane but with like a twist. Spoilers if you don't know, want to know the premise, but it turns out that the main person who's doing the John McClane thing is a, is a vampire, right? So she's a vampire oh. fighting terrorists on a plane. <laughs> Anyway, I watched it. It's great. It's really good. Um, it's dubbed weirdly, but it's good. And we know we always come up with, like, dumb names for things. Yeah. Um, and, and then Weekly Planet Posters makes up those posters. Mason had one, which was um, <laughs> uh, his is uh, mid-air high-dracking, like oh, as in Dracula. Oh, nice. So that was his suggestion. And my suggested title was, is there a fucking Dracula on this plane? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, look, his obviously is more well thought out. But, but I, I prefer think I mine. prefer yours. <laughs> you got a big laugh. I just like the idea of one of the terrorists being like, is there a fucking Dracula on this plane? <laughs> anyway, it's good. Anyway, let's go, Claire. I love it. All right, that's goodbye, it. Goodbye, goodbye. Goodbye. Thanks as always to Royal Collins for editing the episode. Is Dracula on this plane? I don't know. Goodbye. Sorry, that was Dracula. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.